Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thanks so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth from Madrona Financial and CPAs, where we give you the straight talk and honest answers you need to reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. How you doing, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that. Hope our listeners are doing well today, too. We've got another good show lined up for us today. The theme of today's show, Brian, and this is probably a pretty common question that you get is when can I retire or a variation am I okay to retire so we want to talk about that on today's show is the main topic but before we get to that as every week let's talk a little bit about current events I was reading some headlines here uh, just before we went on the air today U.S. housing market entering into a deep freeze because of surging interest rates and stubbornly high prices also only 20 percent of those surveyed considered the stock market to be the best place to invest their money this bank rate survey of 1,100 people found that most people still think real estate is what Americans should be investing their money in to get ahead. So what does that tell you about the state of what's going on today in terms of investment choices when the market isn't the place to go? Yeah, I mean, certainly I'd be curious what that survey said a year ago when the market was coming off its highs, uh, all-time highs. So we have to take that with a grain of salt. I mean, of course, people that thought the market was great a year ago are often coming to me going, gee, uh, I know I told you I was aggressive and I and I want to be aggressive in the market, but now that it's way down, I'm I'm losing sleep. And I say, well, yeah, you probably aren't as aggressive as you thought because, as we know, if I told somebody, hey, by the way, your your portfolio just gained twenty percent, how do you feel? They say, oh, that, that's good. But if I came to them and said, oh, your portfolio just lost twenty percent, how do you feel? <sighs> devastated. I mean, the downs are so much more impactful to most of my clients than any ups are. And so because I sometimes remind people, well, you were up, you were way up and you gave some of it back with the recent drop in the market of your, you know, your stock market investments. And they're just devastated by that drop sometimes, you know, and then I remind them, uh, you just gave back some of your gains that you'd had. You, you've had lots of gains. Oh, yeah, that's true. But I lost money. I'm like, okay, okay. So we have to look at that when times are good. People get overly enthusiastic about their investments. Irrational exuberance, I think, is what one of our Fed chairs, Andy Greenspan, called it once upon a time. Mm -hmm. And the problem sometimes is that people go, when the market's up for a long, long time, they go, okay, now I'm getting in. And then they get in, and then it drops. Oh, look at this crypto. It's 50,000. Then they get in, and then it drops to 20. And they go, oh, this is terrible. And the same with real estate. We saw housing prices just going up, up, up. And what was the hottest thing out there? Buying a house. Everybody wanted to buy a house. 30 people put an offer, and they bid 30% above the asking price, and they're just, you know, rabid to buy a house. And now, you know, it settles back down. They're going, oh, what was I thinking? I had house fever and I bought this house. I paid too much for it. So it's just a a recalibration sometimes. So I I think that article you mentioned, uh, deep freeze on housing, I don't go for that. There's no deep freeze in housing. What it is is a change in expectations. Okay, so it doesn't mean that housing prices just dropped 30% or 50%. They didn't. They're leveling off or your expectation has to change. It's still worth a lot more. If you own real estate, it's probably still worth a lot, lot more than it was two years ago. A lot, lot more. So I don't call that a deep freeze. I call that a return to normalcy that we should have been in the first place. But that's not how markets go. Stock markets go on these big runs for a while. And then they have a return to normalcy, real estate prices, everything does. And because we're emotional beings and we invest emotionally uh, as a whole. And so that can drive things way up really fast, look at crypto, and then drop it back down to something more normal. Although I have no idea what's normal for crypto. (laughs) I do have a sense of of real estate relative to earnings in the particular area and growth and economies and all that. I have a sense of valuations for stock markets relative to the earnings, uh, price earnings ratios, peg ratios, all of that. 
really don't have one for crypto, so I'll leave that out of the conversation. Yeah, crypto is one of those things I haven't quite completely figured out as well, too. But real estate, it's a little easier to figure out for those people who already own their homes. It probably doesn't mean too much. But for those people who are investing in real estate, I mean, interest rates using other people's money, they were 3%. Now they're north of 6%. They have more than doubled. So the question is, in this environment, is real estate still an attractive investment option? Well, that's a tough question because real estate, we can go on the micro level for that one individual house you're looking at to buy. That's a very different question than real estate from macro level. Macro meaning, uh, what if I invested in a real estate investment trust that owns apartment complexes and self-storage and uh, industrial parks? Well, that's a really different question because it's a whole different pricing and so forth. So from a, a micro level, it, it's it's also difficult from, you know, if, if you say, well, real estate's too expensive. I'm going to wait until it drops. And let's say it just kind of level off and it really drops and and all that and maybe interest rates drop some which I, I suspect they will at some point because if the demand for mortgages is dropped and people want to place mortgages they got to drop the rates to attract new business that's how supply and demand works and so you know I, I would caution though about waiting too long I know a lot of people wait 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 and then they're priced out of the market and they go well, wait a second I need a house to live in when I'm retired don't mm-hmm. I I don't want to just keep paying somebody's rent and rent increases the rest of my life I, I want to fix that at some point. I want to have a house. So getting into a house is kind of important. I, I don't know. There's been a lot of times in my lifetime in the Puget Sound where I go, oh, what a great time to buy a house. They're so low. Yeah. I mean, they've been high my whole life. I've always thought they were high. Maybe after 08, they weren't, but nobody had any money because all their accounts <laughs> were down. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it was. it's always difficult to get into your house. But once you're in, you tend not to regret it. So if we're talking about your first home purchase. Sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and not worry about whether it's going to be a little bit lower six months from now or or whatever. Sometimes you just got to bite the bullet to prepare yourself for the eventuality. You're going to need a place to live when you're no longer working. We're talking with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs. We're talking about current events and currently we're talking about real estate. Brian, because so many people are priced out of buying a home, at least at this point in time, they have to rent. So is investing in rental properties, do you think that that is something that has some real legs to it these days? Well, certainly people that are priced out, I, I really feel for them because, you know, they were trying to buy houses. There were 30 offers on their houses. They couldn't get one. They couldn't get one. They were doing all their, everything they could when the rates were low. And then now that housing prices have leveled off and they're not competing with all those buyers, they can't afford it because the mortgage is too much because the rates went up. And so now they're kind of priced out based on the mortgage payment, not the price of the house, but the mortgage payment going up so much. So since they're not cash buyers, they're kind of stuck. And so the question is, you ask me is, does it make sense then to buy rental properties and rent to people? Well, it's still, you know, I, I wouldn't jump onto that bandwagon at this point. If I'm a, you know, in real estate in the, in the local area, I still think housing prices are, you know, awfully high. And I, I, you know, in the last, I just said that if you haven't bought a house, you might want to consider. But if you're buying rentals, you might want to be a little more timely or maybe look to other types of real estate to invest into in different parts of the country that are growing. I know with the increase in interest rates and inflation and all of that, apartment buildings have been doing really well. Uh, multifamily generally is an asset class, self-storage as an asset class. Certain asset classes, I think long-term industrial parks will because of uh, internet sales demand gr- uh, increasing so much. And so there's there's certain areas I think will do quite well if you got the right sponsors or, or managers of the properties and, and the right uh, investment structures and so forth. I can't get into all the details on what I would, how I would vet these investments. So I would say generally speaking, I'm, I've always been pro real estate. In fact, I wrote a chapter in a book. My first attempt at writing was back in 2004. So it's 18 years ago right. uh, where I talked about real estate as an asset class because prior to that, it was all stocks and bonds and CDs. And that's all anybody ever talked about. Any advisor ever talked about. I said, what about real estate? Oh, real estate. Uh, no, you don't invest in real estate. I'm like, why not? It's one of the biggest asset classes out there. Why don't stock people talk about real estate? And so I was, you know, I wrote about that. It was a black book on personal finance. If somebody wants to find a, an ancient copy on <laughs> Amazon or something, <laughs> eBay probably at this point for a dime, probably plus shipping and handling. But uh, it was a black book on personal finance. But I, I talked to, I remember one of the chapters was called The REIT Stuff, R-E-I-T Stuff, because mm-hmm. uh, the right Stuff movie had just come out not too long 
before that. And I talked about real estate as why, why don't you consider that as an investment class? And I, I talked about its valuations and it's how it has profits, rental income and all that kind of stuff. And sure enough, boy, the next three years after I wrote the book, I think the read index went up 30% a year, all three years. And I was looking like a genius there. And of course, then 08 happened. And you don't look as smart, but then of course it came back. But long-term real estate is in all the statistics I've seen, JP Morgan reports of the, the market, the long-term 25-year averages of U.S. stocks, foreign stocks, small cap, bonds, all the different things. First on the list is real estate. Brian, I was looking at a story here online. I believe the source is Fortune Magazine, but a gentleman in Chicago saw an apartment listed for $1,600 a month. He filled out the application and the real estate broker got back to him and said, well, how much are you willing to uh, bid on this apartment? We've got other offers that are more than $1,600 a month. Is this good news for active landlords? And still is the Delaware Statutory Trust, is uh, this as attractive as it once was in today's environment? Well, that's an interesting question because it's kind of a sad commentary that we're at to bid on our apartments now because we got priced out of a house. But I would say uh, passive real estate is probably good news because bigger companies that are managing larger properties, they have a system for what their rents should be and they, they kind of track that stuff and they know how to do that. I think the problem I've seen with active landlords is that very often when I talk to them, they're, they're not really good at raising rents, which you know is a good thing for the tenant, but maybe not from an investment standpoint. Point. Often they say, well, I haven't raised rent in 10 years. I just I don't have the heart for it. And they're really good tenants. They mow the lawn, all that stuff. Well, great. Okay, that's good. But not from a, maybe a financial or retirement standpoint, but it's great from a personhood standpoint, we'll call it. But you know, they might just decide, this, this isn't for me anymore. I'm, I'm not cut out to be a, a proper landlord at this point in my life. So I, I think now that the prices have gone up, I've been waiting for kind of a surge of investors to say, all right, I've gotten everything I've wanted to get out of this property. It's gone way up in value. It's done well when the market didn't. Uh, here I am. I'm older now. I didn't mind taking care of it for years and years and years. I kind of mind now. I just don't want that stressor on my list. I could sell this probably maybe in often cases increase my cash flow, not have to do anything, not pay the tax using that Delaware statutory trust that Brian keeps talking about. So I think there's going to be a lot more people. It's not happening just yet, but I think I'm talking to more and more people and they're coming to the realization that the real estate they own just doesn't fit their life plan anymore, their lifestyle, their their desired place to be, but they like real estate. They don't like paying income tax. They like rental income and that the DST could be that solution. So even though the, the markets maybe slow down the real estate market, those prices are still way high relative to what they've ever been. So now might be a good time for an investor to consider selling their property and doing a 1031 exchange into a Delaware statutory trust. We're talking with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial. Our program, of course, is called Growing Your Wealth. Thanks for joining us again this week. We've been talking about the state of the market and in particular real estate. If you want to see if your financial plan or retirement have roots that run deep enough to thrive for 30 plus years, then request your rooted wealth analysis today. Go to madronafinancial.com, click on the button, get started. Once you fill out the basic information, it's going to take about 30 seconds or so. You'll be able to schedule your rooted wealth analysis call and see what it takes from advisors and CPAs to build a retirement designed to last 30 plus years. Go to madronafinancial.com, click on the get started today button. It's not going to cost you a dime. Once again, that's madronafinancial.com. Growing Your Wealth will be right back with even more ways to help sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And this segment, we're going to be talking about when can I retire? And Brian, I would imagine among the first time clients that you get here, that is probably at the top of the list of questions that you get, right? It's when I can retire or am I going to be okay, which translates into when can I retire? Yeah, am I doing okay? And and one of the reasons for that, I think finances are a funny thing for a lot of folks. It's confusing and certainly the industry has not helped. 
Uh, that's a big reason why we have this show is to take some of the confusion out of a very complex topic. And so we try and break all the different parts of the financial world down for folks so they can have some better understanding of what we're talking about. Because I know annuity salesmen, don't, they don't explain annuities very well. And there's a million ways to buy into real estate. And then there's markets and, and all the other alternative investments we talk about. And so we're trying to make it more understandable. So people are, are rightly confused. They know they, they've been working hard and putting money away in all these different places. And you just can't look at a statement balance and go, all right, I have X number of dollars in my 401k. Well, can I retire? What will that retirement look like? How much will I be able to spend in retirement? Do I have a legacy plan? Am I taking care of my spouse if something happens to me? Uh, will I be able to go on vacations? Can I? Do I have to move? Do I, you know, all these questions keep coming up and you can't just look at a statement balance and be able to answer that question. When people first come to you, I would imagine, you know, they've been very good at what they've done for a living or they wouldn't have made enough money to even think about retiring. But I find that it's odd to realize that they really don't have a handle on any of these questions at all. I've made my money. I know what I'm doing and I've got this balance, but I have no idea how I'm going to translate this money into a paycheck. Now, that is where you really come in. I would imagine the first step is addressing what you've got and whether that is going to translate into a paycheck that's going to support the retirement that you expected. Yeah. And and initially, most people, the the answer is no. I mean, they, they come in, they have a 401k plan. That 401k plan is mostly in equity funds and frankly, or cash or bonds. They have three choices, uh, company stock, uh, equities, cash and bonds. That's what most 401k plans allow you to invest in. It doesn't allow you to invest in annuities or asset class of life insurance or structured notes or, or all the you know REITs, private non-trader REITs, all these other things. And so because it's limited, we look at those asset classes and go, wait a second, these really don't produce hardly any cash flow. And so you can have $2 million in a 401k plan and think, where's my cash flow coming from? Well, it's going to come from principal. Well, what about when the market drops? Well, it's coming from principal and you're never going to get that drop back. I mean, now you've got, you might have other issues. Uh, you might be okay if you had $2 million, but a lot of people don't have $2 million, of course. And so they, they have a smaller amount and, and they need it to generate income. And frankly, stocks and bonds and cash equivalents aren't really very good at generating income for the most part. Brian, let's go back to the basics here. As I said, when people come in and they ask you, when can I retire? They're really talking about whether or not I've got enough money to retire. How do you determine how much money it costs to retire? Well, yeah, that is going to require us to go through a process. So the first process we go through with folks that are looking into our services is we have a a short meeting and and we maybe gather some basic information and then we follow up with another meeting to talk about their expectations, their goal, you know, what they're trying to accomplish, uh, what they're trying to find out. We have a sense for what that is, but we want to hear it from you because everybody's different. And that's an important part of this process. There's no cookie cutter design to this. We certainly have a process, but that can change as to what we're going to talk about based upon that client's desires and goals and, and all that stuff. So we put them through what we call the rooted wealth analysis and, and all of that. We don't talk about products. We're not talking about where to invest your money or how to invest it and all that stuff because we really have to define what it is that the real questions are. Eventually, when somebody is looking to be a client uh, with us, then we're going to do a full-on financial plan. And that financial plan has a lot of variables in it. There are variables for inflation, for earnings, growth, Social Security, uh, Medicare supplement payments, required minimum distributions, income taxes, income tax on required minimum distributions, draws from qualified accounts versus non-qualified accounts. All of this goes into it. So it's a very complex thing to go through on our end, not, not on the client's end. But on our end, we're going to try and get that as close as we can using estimates and assumptions. And so based on those estimates and assumptions, we can show that client what their cash flow would be over the rest of their life, their legacy assets, their liquidity, growth security, uh, all, all the different things in there. But it's a, it's a process we can go through with our client. And then we can also obviously add the income tax planning aspects to it through our CPA firm. So you really have to figure out what you want in retirement. I mean, if you want to sit home and like we've discussed before, I don't even know if Judge Judy's on, but people would sit and they would wait for Judge Judy, Wheel of Fortune or whatever. That's one retirement. The other is, you know, these days when you're in your 60s, you're still probably 
probably pretty healthy. You want to get out and do things. Maybe you want to cross off some of those things on your bucket list. You want to take some trips and so forth. That is another form of retirement. So it's defining what you want to do in retirement that's going to dictate the amount of money that you need to do that. Let's talk about addressing income here a little bit, Brian. Which is better, passive income investing into things that is going to pay you or drawing income from a portfolio? Clearly, passive income would be better. Uh, Drawing from a portfolio, a growth portfolio, assuming you mean stock market type portfolio, that can be, uh, you put you at great risk, uh, sequence of return risk, uh, especially this year. We've seen it happen. Uh, People are drawn from their portfolios and all of a sudden, oh, gee, uh, (laughs) my portfolio is down now. I'm drawing from that it's down and now I can't recover what I lost and had I stayed in the market I would have I, I believe someday and, and that would be true and so uh, you know in that case you wish you'd had other income sources ones that you could rely on that are designed for cash flow growth portfolios aren't necessarily designed or hardly ever designed for cash flow so that's like using a hammer to cut a, a board you know it's that the hammer's not designed to cut a board a saw is and you want the saw to cut the board you want the hammer to pound the nail. So don't make your growth portfolio be your cash flow portfolio at the same time. And most people, that's what they do. And so that can be very problematic, especially we've seen it this year. And I can't tell you how many clients I've talked to that are so grateful that we went through the design of their portfolio. Maybe they didn't understand why at the time. And don't we just put it all in the market? And we're like, no, that is not what we want. You just read that survey that said 20% of people think even the stock market is even the good place to, to right, put their assets. Right, right. Well, I, I think it is a good place to put your growth assets, a very good place long term where you're not touching it. I think that's a great place. Do I think that should be? 100% of your portfolio? Probably not. Uh, like never, hardly ever with any of my clients. Do I think annuities can be a great place for cash flow? Yes. And do I think the right private non-traded REITs can be a good place for cash flow? Yes, they absolutely can be and for potentially growth, but they're maybe not good for security and, and the other things. The stock market's not either. So we look at each investment class like a tool and every tool has a different function and different outcome. If we're using the right tools for the right purposes, now we can start honing in on an answer. Because if you're trying to solve for your retirement based upon a stock market investment, boy, all you got to tell me is how the market's going to do every year the rest of your life. (laughs) And I'll give you the answer as to how you're going to do. But I'd rather not do that because I have sequence of return risk charts that Mm -hmm. just flip the order of earnings and one person's fine and one's not. You want me to get out a coin and flip it and see if you're going to be okay in retirement? You have enough assets to be okay if you do it the right way. But how about we take a chance and flip the coin and... uh, (laughs) You know, maybe half of you won't be okay, and you got to go back to work at 78 years old. You know, I I don't want to do that for my clients. Yeah, I don't think I want my retirement to be based on the flip of a coin. We're talking with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs about addressing income in retirement. Brian, you mentioned some sources of passive income. What are some of the other sources of passive income that someone may want to consider in creating a paycheck in retirement? Yeah, I mean, we certainly have our pensions, if you have one of those, uh, Social Security, fixed index annuities that are designed for lifetime cash flow, guaranteed lifetime cash flow. I prefer the ones with increasing guaranteed lifetime cash flow. Uh, Variable annuities can offer that too. Active real estate, you're the landlord, you're getting rent checks. There's passive real estate. Passive being the private non-traded equity REITs where you Mm -hmm. own own a share of the real estate. Or private non-traded debt REITs where you're actually a lender and you're getting uh, interest paid to you on secured notes. So those are some of the... There's also, you know, you can use a series of fixed index annuities that are not designed for lifetime cash flow, but instead designed for protected growth and pull maybe a percentage of that out every year. Most fixed index annuities allow a 10% free withdrawal. So you could have different fixed index annuities that you pull money out of to supplement that where they're not going to ever lose a value. So even if the market's down, your annuity's not. And you can pull that, that maybe that 10% out each year as part of the plan on a short-term basis until other annuities kick in that you're deferring until later. So those are some of the primary ways that, that we use to create cash flow in a retirement portfolio. Oh, I left out uh, universal life, mm-hmm. uh, using life insurance as an asset class to provide uh, tax-free cash flow in retirement. That's a great one if you can get into that early enough. And, and on top of that, using premium finance, fixed index universal life is, is one of the best ways, I think. I think uh, for those that have enough assets to do that, I'm going to left off Delaware Statutory Trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly if you have, uh, especially if you have non-performing real estate you know, land or real estate that's kind of breaking even because repairs are too high or every year or whatever 
it is, to convert something that's either not generating rental income or isn't generating enough to put much in your profit after you pay for the expenses, Delaware Statutory Trust could be a, a great solution for that and not have to pay the income tax. Brian, I see these articles sometimes where it says, I retired at age 30 and here's what I, I don't really dive deep into those articles because I'm a little suspicious of those things. What has been the circumstance where people have retired and then they've had to unretire and go back to work? In other words, what are the mistakes that they made that our listeners might be able to learn from? They didn't do a retirement plan. They, they didn't run it through the grueling process that we put them through to figure it out. They just assumed, oh, I have several hundred thousand dollars. I should be fine. And then all of a sudden they don't. <laughs> Where'd that go? And oh, I'm not working. Uh, oh, I'm starting over. Oh, gee, I'm 57. Yeah. That stinks. Uh, I retired at 55 or, you know, whatever. And and they're early 60s. I've, I've seen that. They aren't our clients. We're, we're not telling them they retire if they can't. And so, you know, I, I have seen that too often. And, and one of the reasons why we make sure that we do our retirement planning process right, we're not just going to try to sell so many investment. Most advisors that I'm, I guess, competing with, we're not really competing, but most of them are leading with product. Oh, hey, I've got something for you. I've got this stock market investment. I hate annuities and you should too. Give me all of your money. We'll put it in the market. And that'll be all, all we do. Well, Oh, do you do a financial plan? Oh, no. Well, do you help me with my trust or my estate planning or my income tax plan? Oh, no, we don't do that. We'll put it in the market, though, and you can pay us a nice hefty fee to do it. I'm like, you know, I'm being kind of facetious, but I, that is what goes on out there. Uh, or the annuity salesperson is just just make it sure it's safe and right. buy my annuity. Well, have you done any analysis as to whether that's all I need? I don't, maybe I need some growth assets. I'm like, oh, no, you need annuities. Why? Because I sell annuities. Oops, <laughs> did I say that out loud? Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, well, okay. That's a problem. So, you know, if you've done a financial plan, you can have that confidence. You're looking right here and you can test out, you know, what our assumptions were and so forth and and, and feel that uh, confident in your, your retirement situation. And sometimes that means retiring earlier than you thought and sometimes a lot earlier and that could be a big change because i was just having this conversation with somebody in her 50s that was able to go through this analysis to say i can retire now and uh now her her life is revolving around making a difference in the charitable uh, world and and with uh boards of directors and and making huge changes for societal gains and and all of this in all the work that she's doing out there and she shared with me that you know if i'd wait until my mid-60s I maybe wouldn't have the energy to do what I'm doing now. But because I was able to get that retirement analysis early, I'm able to make a big difference in other people's lives when I have the time and energy to do it. And I have the time and energy to do it because I was able to retire early because I had that financial plan. Well, it sounds like she's having a very rewarding retirement and uh, my hat's off to her. You know, falling short in retirement with income, that is exactly why the Rooted Wealth Analysis is so important and why we want to invite our listeners to request their Rooted Wealth Analysis today. You know, we can't predict the future, but we do know that if your financial roots, so to speak, are deep enough, the storms aren't as scary as they would be otherwise. If you want to see how deep your financial roots really are and how well prepared you are for a 30-plus year retirement, go to madronafinancial.com, click on the Get Started button. When you do, you'll fill out some basic information. Once submitted, you'll be able to schedule a call to get your personalized results and review your Rooted Wealth Analysis. Again, it's madronafinancial.com. Click on the Get Started button. Want more strategies that can help support the quality of life you want for 30 plus years? Well, stick around. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth. Big trees fall when storms hit because they don't have deep enough roots. The same goes with your finances. Your quality of life depends on how deep your financial roots are today, tomorrow, and for years to come. If you want to learn how to design your retirement to last 30 plus years, then grab your copy of 7 Steps to a Successful Retirement by calling Madrona Financial and CPAs at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now back to more of Growing Your Wealth. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about the emotional loss of retiring early. And Brian, the idea of retiring seems attractive to me. I mean, I'm not going to have to go to work anymore. But when you think about it, Brian, I've been going to work for more than 40 years. It's really a part of my life. I wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have a place to go every day. And I would imagine that that would prey upon me emotionally a lot sooner than I expected. 
Uh, yeah, I think you're right, especially because you like what you do. Right. And I like what I do. And uh, so people are like, why don't you just sell, Brian? You got enough money. I'm like, well, I can think about a lot of reasons why I shouldn't sell and, and quit and not have anything to do. Uh, I don't think that would be good for my soul, frankly. No. And now one of the big things, though, is you know, life isn't about just money. Money is just a tool. If you got lots of tools, great. But if you can't fix anything, <laughs> then so what good are the tools mm-hmm. if you don't have any use for them? And so uh, if you're not doing anything with your money, and, and money can buy time, and, and that's a big part of that resource is buying time to do the things you want to do. So that's that's where money – money does not alone make you happy. It just doesn't. But what it, it can afford you the opportunity to be happier based upon how you use that resource. Now, a lot of folks, yeah, if they just go right to retirement and it just the, the – you talked about earlier just to watch uh, Jeopardy Judge, or – Judge Judy or whatever, Judy yeah. Or, or to, you know, maybe golf every day the rest of their life. Okay, I'm not going to say that's a bad thing, but that's not what I want to do. And I am wired differently – uh, I want to continue to be productive to my community, to other people, to my employees, give them good jobs, be make a difference in my clients' lives, uh, in my charities, and you know, be on boards, be a mentor to younger people, do do all these different things that have nothing to do with necessarily making more money. They they have to do with having a fulfilling life. In my definition of what that looks like, so a big part of our our wealth process is what will help you have a fulfilling life. What does that look like? to you because it's not about dying with them you know what, what they, i've never seen a, a hearse pulling a u-haul mm-hmm. is what uh, one of my advisors matt likes to say and uh, <laughs> uh and he's true yeah uh i call it the rich, i don't want to be the richest guy in the graveyard i mm-hmm. mean that's what's the point of that and so we talk about what does your life need to look like what do you want it to look like let's plan for that now, part of that might be not just retiring because all your friends are saying, you should retire, you should retire. I mean, if I had a dime for everybody that said that to me, I'd, I'd be wealthy right there. But they don't know why, and they don't understand why that's like the worst advice for someone like myself. I need, same as you were just saying, I need to have a, a purpose. Uh, I need to have challenges. I just went through kind of a, a, a day-long uh, analysis of my employees, and we were talking about trying to get out of our comfort boxes and how most people want to live in their comfort boxes and, and maybe stretch them out 5 to 10% each each year or whatever. And I'm looking at that and, and it came around to me and, and what was your takeaway from that? And I said, you know what? I feel really uncomfortable living in my own comfort box, <laughs> which they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, honestly, if I'm not uncomfortable, if I'm not growing, if I'm not challenged, if I'm not doing something that's hard or difficult, I feel like I'm wasting my time. I feel like I'm not really fulfilling who I need to be. Because people are like, why do you keep learning all this other stuff, Brian? You're, you're fine. You could just do this couple things. I'm like, I could. But that make me very uncomfortable, being comfortable. <laughs> so as funny as that sounds, <laughs> yeah. I do not do well in my comfort box. And that's yeah. why I keep pressing forward and growing and so forth. So that's me. So I have a different retirement plan than maybe my older brother who says, I cannot wait for that day that I can hand off my key, go home and do what I want to do all day and not have to think about work. Great. That's for him. Yeah. We're completely opposite that way. Right, right. You know, but we're brothers, but we're, we're different in how we view what our retirement should look like. And what you do for a living many times ties into your self-worth. I mean, when you ask people, uh, if I were to ask someone, tell me about yourself, they're going to lead with, well, I'm a CPA or I'm right. a doctor or I'm a lawyer. They don't really have any other self-identification other than what they do for a living. But when I think of retiring, I think one of the big problems that people have is socially. I mean, they've spent 40 years at work and they've, you know, maybe they've been at a job for 10 years and many times they know the people at work better than they do their own families. Absolutely. Yeah. They spend more time with uh, people at work than they do their families over the course of their career. So the people they work with, their, their clients, I, you know, I have people that are growing within my own firm and, and maybe they started out at front office right? and they got to know the clients, they get to know their voices on the phone before they even say who they are and right. have these, these conversations with them while they're sitting in the lobby and, and then, oh, the good news is you have a promotion. And another good news is you get your own office, and now you're going to help on the, you know, on the administration side of working with the, the clients. But they're like, well, yeah, but I won't see my clients anymore, will I? I'm like, well, no, not really, <laughs> not much. You'll you'll be working, you know, helping them with their paperwork. They'll be on the phone, and and so that can be kind of hard on them. 
So even though a good thing, you think, oh, a promotion, my own office, that sounds really good. You're going to miss that camaraderie you have. And, And so that is, for a lot of people, that is their social life. That is who they know, who they trust, who they go to lunch with, who right. they coffee breaks with, they, they see every day, they spend time with every day, and you know they spend more time with them than they do their kids that have moved out and are doing their own thing probably. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's a very good point that uh, the social aspect is, is something you have to consider if, if you're thinking about retiring. We're talking about the emotional loss of retiring with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial, our show, of course, called Growing Your Wealth. Brian, do you necessarily have to retire. I know some professions set a mandatory retirement age. I mean, I don't think I can be an airline pilot at 85 no. if I wanted to do that. But then I go back and I think of our friend who had CPA number like eight. I yeah. think it was Newt or something. Yeah, Newt. He, he worked into his 90s, didn't he? Yeah, he was 93, I think. Wow. Uh, he was still working. Yeah, Newt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, you can't be a pilot uh, at 66, but you can be president at 85. Did, yeah. did you know that? I wondered who about that the hardest job in the country and they say it doesn't make any difference how old you you know and you don't have to have any experience let's just go ahead Uh, i can be 95 years of age and if people are silly enough to vote for me i'm in there yeah i can't remember what my job is but i got it the plane flies by itself just about these days with technology but i can't be 66 i'm like that doesn't sound that old to me Uh, no (laughs) uh, anyway but i won't get into that that's a whole nother debate uh, we're not going to have on this show but yeah no you don't have to absolutely have to retire and it's so many of my clients, especially these days where the labor force is so weak in many areas and skilled laborers are in high demand, many, many of my clients more than ever before are retiring. And then within months, they're back to work on a part-time basis because the firm, you know, in the old days, it'd be, oh, they're not going to be able to do this without me. And they were wrong. Other people step up and all that stuff. Well, now there's not a lot of people to step up that have a lot of experience. Right. So when somebody in their 60s says, you know, I'm retiring, that's a huge void for a lot of companies. They don't have the people skills, the technical skills, the management skills, the the experience, all that stuff. And now the young person takes over and they're like, ooh, uh, I could use some help here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that guy, old guy did contribute a lot. And so they might come back on a consulting basis, a part-time basis. I think that's a really, really good way to ease into retirement because even in my own situation I mentioned earlier, could I retire today? Sure, I could. Sure. I, I'd be fine. Uh, well, I wouldn't be fine, actually. I'd be fine financially. I'd have some resources, mm-hmm. but I would not be fine you know, emotionally. And so what can I do? Well, I can delegate some of my uh, administrative functions and my HR responsibilities and controllership and compliance officer responsibilities, stuff that doesn't fulfill me all that much, if at all. And so I've gotten those off my schedule. Now I have time for some of the other things that somebody that might be semi-retired would do. I have time for my charities uh, work and, and my board of directors work with a university or the church or whatever it is I'm working on. And, and I have time to do other things rather than just be at my desk all day long. And so I can not be retired, but I can be very production-oriented at work. I'm, I'm I'll keep doing this. I'll keep doing my radio show, meeting with my clients and and writing and speaking and recording and all that stuff and continue to help grow the company because I think uh, growth is very, very important uh, to my well-being and to the well-being of those around me. And so uh, I'll continue to do that. So, yeah, retirement does not have to be a full stop. Yeah, you very rarely go from 65 miles an hour in your car to zero. I mean, you slow down. You put on the brake slowly. That's the best way to do it. We're talking about the emotional loss of retiring early with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, amongst your clients who have retired and those clients who are the most emotionally happy, what do you think that their real secret is? Did they plan for this well in advance emotionally or is there some other secret or is there not a secret at all? They had a plan. And the plan went well beyond the financial plan that we prepared. They had a life plan. They had a plan to, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing. I am going to be... Well, as I mentioned, you'd be a charity work. I am going to start spending more time with my 
parents or my kids or my grandkids. I'm going to spend this time traveling. I'm gonna, I've got these projects I want to work on. I've got these people I want to hang out with. I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to spend more time in my bicycle club or yeah. or my who's it, what's it, whatever it is. And and I think what's interesting for some of those people, they go, I don't know how I ever worked, you know, six months later because I have a busier schedule now than when I was working because now yeah. I have all these other things <laughs> right. that I can do. Before I just had to say no, 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 I can't do it, can't do it, don't have mm-hmm. time. Now I say yes to the things I love, and there's so many things I love. I've said yes to all kinds. I am so busy. My life is so full. I have no idea how I ever worked. Those people tend to be very, very happy. Well, Brian, deciding when you retire, well, that's something that is up to you. You've got to decide how you can do it financially, but you've also got to decide how to do it emotionally. So I think a lifestyle plan is very important when it comes to retirement. And another way that is going to help you ease into retirement is to know that you have a retirement that can last for 30 plus years. How deep are your financial roots? You see all these trees around here sometimes after a heavy storm that are on their sides. Well, it's because they did not have deep enough roots. If you want to test your financial roots, go to madronafinancial.com and click on the get started button and take your rooted wealth analysis. It'll only take about 30 seconds, but it could give you some answers that you need to help you plan for a successful retirement. Once again, it's madronafinancial.com. Click on the get started button to take your rooted wealth analysis. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial and CPAs at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now back to more of Growing Your Wealth. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And this segment, we'll be talking about when does it make sense to get help. And Brian, before we get to that, I want to do a little uh, client question of the week here. I understand that you had a client who came in with a question about a variable annuity. I'll turn it over to you for the rest of the story. Yeah, a variable annuity is sold by non-fiduciaries. And she had bought this variable annuity a long time ago. And I remember talking to her a year before, but she wasn't ready to do anything with it. And uh, she sent me the recent statement. And the recent statement a year ago is worth like three hundred fifty thousand dollars. It had dropped a hundred grand in value because variable annuities are in the stock market and they have high fees. They have other bells and whistles, so which we'll talk about. But she was really disappointed. She said, "I don't know what to do with this thing now. Can I just get out of it and give it to you?" And I was like, "Well, hold on there." So I looked at it and said, "Yeah, you're certainly not in a position to take that kind of risk going forward." However, let's take a look at what the cash flow would be. So she called the annuity company and she said, well, they're not going to give me very good cash flow. You know, It was based upon her, her account balance because I'm not 59 and a half. I'm only 55. I said, well, yeah, you could take the monthly checks out of that using IRS code section 72T and not pay the penalty, but they weren't going to give her very much. They weren't going to give her any additional for all the years she'd been in that annuity, just to her account balance basically getting back to her. But then she mentioned they did say I would get a different amount if I wait till age 59 and a half because she still wanted to move it over to me. I'm saying, hold on, we're not done analyzing this. I said, ask them about how much you could get if you waited till age 59 and a half. And it turned out that she would be able to get, uh, it was 35% more just by waiting four more years. And her check would be 35% more, making it actually a decent thing because the variable annuity did have a provision to where the payments would be based upon the high mark that that account had been on, not the current balance, which was down because the market was way down. So I was able to get her through this to figure out what the best solution was. In this case, it was waiting till age 59 and a half and taking the monthly cash flow out of the variable annuity. Her confusion was, why would I give her that advice if I don't get a page? She said, well, how do you get anything from this? I, I don't. Huh. She's not even a client. <laughs> I just, I helped her get through it and she was just kind of blown away. I said, wow. well, say nice things about me. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Tell your friends, do something. But that was the, the kind of the interesting one of the weeks. Uh, she started with, I want to move an annuity over to you. I want you to invest in a new annuity. And I said, well, because of the time you've had in this, they had one provision that allowed you a better cash flow if you waited till a certain point in time. We got to that solution and, and she's going to be way better off because of it. 
Well, Brian, I wish we could clone you. Unfortunately, there are too few advisors like you out there who really are just following the money. How could she have prevented getting into this situation to begin with? Well, I think just starting earlier. In this case, had we had uh, maybe an earlier time frame, there were years prior to that where the value was high and she was nervous about it being in the market. We could have done a Section 1035 exchange into a fixed index annuity that has an annual floor of zero. We could have put her into one of those that would have increasing lifetime cash flow if I had more time on my side. I, you know, but. I was contacted after the drop in the market and, and well she did contact me before but you know she didn't have enough time she had other things going on in her life and had she you know maybe called a few years earlier then uh, we could have sorted that out with plenty of time to spare and that's our client question of the week uh, the theme of our show this week has been when can I retire Brian it reminds me of an associate that I used to have a, a lovely young lady and you know her husband and she they were getting ready to retire and I suggested that maybe she get some help and she said, well, my husband, you know, he works at Boeing and he's a really smart guy and he handles all the stuff. He really doesn't need any help. When does it make sense to get help and why should you use an advisor even if you're a pretty bright guy or girl? I can sum that up pretty easy here. If you're the smartest person in the world, but you're not a, a licensed advisor, then you can invest in cash equivalents, stocks, mutual funds, exchange traded funds, and bonds. Or you could buy your own active real estate. That is what you can invest in. Mm-hmm. If you're not a licensed financial advisor or insurance licensed person, her husband cannot buy a fixed annuity, a fixed index annuity for lifetime cash flow, a fixed index annuity for accumulation, a universal life policy for tax-free cash flow and retirement. They can't do a Delaware statutory trust, an opportunity zone, a premium finance FIUL. He can't buy a equity non-traded equity REIT, can't buy a non-traded debt REIT, can't do buffered ETFs, interval funds, or structured notes. Mm. I just named a whole lot of categories that he's not even allowed to buy on his own. You have to go through a licensed professional. That list was twice as long as the list of things he could invest in. And so there's a lot of really important things. And all the ones that I was talking about are the ones that can offer the cash flow and security that the stock market doesn't. And when it comes to retirement, we can get uh, assets that have good growth, security, cash flow, and liquidity. I think the two most important things are security and cash flow in retirement. And I just said that those are the products that are available through licensed advisors. He can't even buy on his own. So that would be the reason. It's just not available to that person in the open market. So he can retire. It's just that he may not have as good a retirement as he could have had had he gotten some help there. When should you consider working with not just an advisor, but an advisor who has a team of professionals? I would imagine that it's very important to have a, a lot of good members on your team. Well, then, you know, then we go up the next rung because, you know, I'm a national coach and the people I coach are owners of advisory firms. And out of that big laundry list of things, all they sell are fixed annuities, fixed index annuities and universal life. They virtually all, none of them know anything or even dabble in the Delaware Statutory Trust, premium finance, opportunity zones, private non-trade REITs, all those other things, structured notes, buffered ETFs, interval funds, none of those areas. They just, it's not something they are willing to take on. It's its a whole new area and they don't do it. And so I'm going to say 99% of advisors or 99.9% of advisors do not do all those things that I listed off there. I don't know of any firm in the country that is doing all of the things that we're doing. And so if you want access to those more interesting and complex areas from somebody that actually has done the research and understands them, and you want those tools in your toolbox, you need to go through a firm like ours. And I don't know who that other firm is. I mentioned earlier my so-called competition. I don't know who I'm competing against. We kind of have a blue ocean. If you've ever read the book, Blue Ocean Strategy, we're swimming in a blue ocean. I don't Mm -hmm. have people that do what we do. Oh, and then we're a CPA firm on top of all the the investment products I just mentioned, but the tools that we can use. So I feel like I don't really have a particular competition, but others in the industry, they really focus on just a couple areas. We focus on all of them. Brian, I've heard that in retirement, two of the biggest expenses are going to be long-term care or health care in general, but maybe arguably the biggest expense is going to be taxes. And that's a big advantage here at Madrona Financial is that you are also a CPA. And I think you said once in this program that you're a CPA first and an advisor second. 
second? Yeah, I really feel that way because I was asked, well, how do you identify? I'm like, well, actually, as a CPA, I always have my tax hat on, and every situation involves taxes. I don't know how other financial advisors get through a conversation with a client if they can't answer tax questions yeah. or estate tax or, or gift tax or trust or you know, business succession, you know, real estate, all that stuff. Well, how does this affect my taxes? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I have to consult your advisor. But I want to know the answer now, you know. I don't know how they get through conversations sometimes. Uh, we have a distinct advantage that that is part of our process. I think it begins there because products are products. That's really the, the last thing we'd ever talk to anybody about. We start with the lifestyle and we, we want to make sure we're, we're tax smart and all these other things and what our goals are and, and desires there. And then the final thing would be, okay, now we can figure out what mix of products need to be put together to accomplish the agenda that, that's put before us. And so that's where all those different investment topics may or may not be used. Just because I list them all off doesn't mean we use all of them. And with any, any one, there might be all different kinds. So for instance, I mentioned private non-traded equity REITs. Well, that could be a apartment, a single family residence. It could be self-storage. It could be all different kinds of real estate. So now we got a, you know the subsets of, of that particular investment class. And so working with a firm that knows the, the ins and outs of all all the different investment categories, has access to them and experience in them, and then understands income tax implications, I think is invaluable. Brian, there is Madrona Financial and CBAs here. They previously were two different firms, and maybe they are technically today. Are most of your advisors also CPAs? Uh, no, uh, some of them are. The ones that are not have full access to our CPAs. And, you know, I am a CPA. I don't even enter anything on the tax program. I don't even know how to turn it on anymore. <laughs> but I can recognize, uh, okay, here we have a situation where you're thinking about cashing in this, selling this asset, whatever it is, and you want to know whether to do a DST or not. Let's run it through our tax calculator and figure out what the tax would be if you didn't do a 1031 exchange versus what it would be if you did. And I type out the email. I send it to one of my uh, accountants. They run the projections for me, and then they communicate with the client, and we get the answer there. So I don't have to do the work. Even though I could, I could figure that out, but I don't. My advisors, same access that I have, and then some of my advisors uh, actually do the projections themselves because they're, they're working on the CPA firm too. Well, taxes are a huge consideration when it comes to retirement, and I think the general consensus is that taxes certainly are not going to go down. They're only going to go up. Let's say that taxes do go up in the future, and you were able to identify what to do now so that your future tax bills were not as large. Well, when the time comes, can you imagine sitting down for breakfast? You're hearing the news, you're discussing the new tax changes and the tax increases, and you look across the table to your spouse who says, aren't you glad we planned for this years ago with a financial advisor that is also a CPA? Well, imagine what your spouse would say from years from now when difficult times are affecting many people, but not you, because you took the time to prepare in advance. The way to do that is to take your rooted wealth analysis and prepare yourself for a conversation with the financial advisors and CPAs at Madrona Financial. Simply go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button to take your rooted wealth analysis. That's madronafinancial.com. Out of time for this week, Brian. Thanks a lot for your time. I want to thank our listeners for joining us. Get out there. Have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation and diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes.